Amen and amen. Thank you, Michelle and uh, Josh and Kat. That was a beautiful, beautiful song. A great reminder of uh, just that simple pattern of prayer that Jesus gave us. And it was something, as I mentioned before, that uh, comes up in a lot of the stories of 9-11. And yesterday, as our nation thought about the 20th anniversary, I think it made all of us think about where we were, who we were talking to, what we were doing, who gave us the first uh, heads up that something was happening to tune into the television or the radio or to, to find a way to pay attention to what was going on. Country singer Alan Jackson, within weeks of 9-11, woke up uh, in the middle of the night and there was a melody and uh, lyrics to a song that just popped into his head. And so he wrote the song, Where Were You When the World Stopped Turning? He said he woke up and had to write it down quickly before he lost the words and the melody that just came to him. And in the song, Jackson says, where were you when the world stopped turning that September day? Were you in the yard with your wife and children or working on a stage in LA? Did you stand there in shock at the sight of the black smoke rising against the blue sky? Did you shout out in anger and fear for your neighbor or did you just sit down and cry? Did you weep for the children they lost their dear loved ones, pray for the ones who don't know? Did you rejoice for the people who walked from the rubble and sobbed for the ones left below? Did you burst out with pride for the red, white, and blue and the heroes who died just doing what they do? Did you look up to heaven for some kind of answer and look at yourself and what really matters? And then the chorus that's repeated several times in the song, I'm just a singer of simple songs. I'm not a real political man. I watch CNN, but I'm not sure I can tell you the difference in Iraq and Iran. But I know Jesus, and I talk to God, and I remember this from when I was young. Faith, hope, and love are some good things he gave us. The greatest is love. The greatest is love. The greatest is love. Then he concludes with that kind of question he started with, where were you when the world stopped turning on that September day? Most of us know. Some of you in the room may not uh, have been alive then, or you may not have been old enough to really remember. I know my own children looked at some of the websites and the remembrances and saw some of the documentaries that have been posted on various platforms, streaming platforms this week, and they have said to me, boy, I didn't remember that. I didn't remember this. And I don't know about you, but I've seen some images that I'd kind of forgotten about, and I really do know where I was and what I was doing. And I remember when Leslie came into our bedroom to tell me, you better turn on the news. Something's happening. Something strange is happening. I don't know if you remember exactly where you were, what you were saying. Maybe you've gone since, since 2011, 2001, on September 11th, you've gone through some of your own personal 9-11 situations. Maybe there's been a health situation or a job thing or financial stuff or family things. Maybe you've lost a loved one and you've had your own world stopped, if you will, in an instant in time when you went through some suffering or difficulty. Maybe there have been seasons of it or several occasions of it. It's important that we understand that in those moments as God's children, God gives us the gift of prayer. The opportunity to cry out to him, to talk to him. Today we're going to continue our series looking at the spiritual practices or disciplines of the Christian life that help us position ourselves to, to become more like Jesus in our daily walk with God. We're going to talk about your will be done, a phrase right out of the Lord's Prayer. 
as we talk about the spiritual practice of prayer. If you want to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, if you have a mobile device, you have a Bible app, join us there, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. We'll be looking at this section of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave. We've looked at some of the disciplines and practices like worship and confession and reading scripture and community. And last week we looked at serving. This week we're gonna talk about the spiritual practice of prayer. We're halfway in our 12-week study of these practices. I just wanna remind you what spiritual practices are. These are intentional behaviors, habits, or disciplines that help us walk with God and be transformed into the likeness of Christ. These are things we cultivate into our life. We need to cultivate into our lives the practice of prayer. And the practice of prayer is simply communicating with God about our lives, the lives of others, and how all of our lives fit into his will. Some people have this image of prayer that it's like, like the genie who grants three wishes. You ask, and it has to happen the way you want it to happen. You see, when you really understand prayer, even understand prayer from the pattern of prayer that Jesus gives in the Lord's Prayer, you understand that it's not about getting God's will to match our wants. It's getting our wants aligned with God's will. And that's a big difference in how a lot of people see prayer. And so as we're communicating with God, talking to him, listening to his spirit, and we're talking to him in prayer about our lives and the lives of others, ultimately, we're asking him to show us and help us understand how those things fit into his eternal plan and his eternal will. As we pray, your will be done, as the underlining statement of our prayers, there are three outcomes of prayer I think that we experience. Number one, we think how God thinks. We begin to see things the way God sees them. We value what God values. We value what is important to him. Not, a, not what's important to us primarily. And thirdly, we desire what God desires. We begin to want what God's, God wants. Even if we're going through a dark time, we're praying for someone going through deep waters, we're praying, God, you do what you wanna do. You use these circumstances to accomplish your eternal will, even when we don't understand what is happening. We desire what God desires as we pray. Let's look at Matthew chapter six, verses nine through 13. The parallel passage of this is found in Luke 11. And in that passage, actually the disciples kind of interrupt him in the, Lord, in, in the Sermon on the Mountain. They say, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Actually, it's the only thing the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them. He taught them a lot of stuff, but it's the only thing he, they ask, teach us to pray. And here's what he says, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, this is a pattern that Jesus has given us. You can pray this to the Lord. You can pray this uh, out of rote memory and it can be a blessing and meet you in that moment. But Jesus didn't give us this to be the prayer that we would pray, the only prayer we would pray. It's meant to be a pattern to help us understand how our hearts can align to his heart as we talk to him. And so there's a flow here. I think there are five elements to this pattern that Jesus gives us. 
Even if you pray the Lord's Prayer, you can stop at these moments and then go and expand beyond that actual phrase and understand the components that make up the flow of this patterned prayer that Jesus gives us. The pattern for prayer Jesus gives us begins, first of all, with worship. Worship. Verse 9, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The word hallowed means set apart, distinct, different than any other, wholly distinct. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In his name is the essence of who God is. Even the name of Jesus, which means Jehovah's salvation, the name that has been given and is lifted above every other name, it speaks of Jehovah's salvation. You see, as we begin our prayer, before we rush in and say, here's what I need, here's what she needs, here's what they need, here's what they're going through, before we make a request, before we plead before him in our supplications, we're to slow down and recognize who we're talking to. That we're talking to the God of the universe, the creator of our very being, the savior of our souls, we're to stop and realize we're talking to the holy, righteous, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise, everywhere present, equally gracious, compassionate, just, and merciful God. And that begins to align our hearts to him and to who he is, not just our wants and our circumstances. This is us lifting him up in adoration and praise. We lift him up in adoration and praise. There's a, there's a, verse in the book of Proverbs that what we know now about 9-11 and seeing those towers hit by those planes and then see them pancake down and collapse doesn't really make a lot of sense in our modern world, but Proverbs 18.10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. We see those images and we think, okay, a tower isn't necessarily the safest place in the world anymore. But in the ancient world where you didn't have airplanes and for most of human history, a tower was a fortress. It was difficult for someone to conquer a tower where people had the upper hand. And so a tower was considered something safe and secure. It would be your salvation, your rescue. And, and so when this verse speaks of how the name of the Lord is like a strong tower, those who run in are safe. It speaks of who our God is and how we can find our rescue and safety in him. When the apostles John and Peter are challenged about their ministry and their healing and their preaching in, in Jesus' name and they're challenged about that name, they say, look, in Acts 4.12 says, you know, there's no other name given among human beings that's under heaven here. There's no other name under heaven whereby anyone can be rescued or saved. It's the name of Jesus. It's not the name of Sean, it's not the name of a church, it's not the name of anybody else, it's the name of Jesus. And we are all born fallen beings needing rescue from God, separated and isolated from him by our sin. But God loved us so much, he sent Jesus who died, was buried and was raised for us. And now it is in the name of Jesus that represents the personal work of Jesus Christ himself and what he did for us that we put our trust and our faith. And when we do that, recognizing we're a sinner in need of salvation, it is Jesus then who rescues us from our spiritual deadness before God. And if you're in the room, you've done that. Just thank God for his grace and goodness to you. If you haven't come to that point, maybe you've heard me say this week in and week out about coming to that place where you trust Christ, 
Do so today just in your own heart. Say to him, all right, I don't measure up. I need rescue in Jesus' name. Rescue me. Forgive me. Make me your child, and he will. People regularly come out after services and share with me how this was the day they came to Jesus. And so I'm available after the service in the patio. You can speak to me there. And if you have questions, we have a staff member or someone on our team and leadership just help you understand what that means. If you've joined us online or you're here in the room and it's, it's more convenient, easy for you, just to, if today's the day you're putting your faith in Christ, just to take the name Jesus and text it to the number on the screen below me. We'll send you some resources to help you grow in Christ. We'll follow up and make sure you understand what it means now to be rescued, to be safe in the strong tower of the name of Jesus. You can just text the name Jesus to that number. We want to celebrate that with you. Then we, as we enter into prayer as God's children, we begin with who our God is as our creator and our savior. We worship him. Our team has worked over the last couple of weeks to gather some prayers. We, we, we thought, now on this September 11th weekend, as we remember and reflect and we talk about prayer, we examine the Lord's prayer, who should we maybe from the congregation ask to pray? And we thought about that, and we thought, well, let's get some folks who were walking with Jesus maybe decades before 9-11 and who've walked with Jesus since then and are still walking today. So we went looking among those in their 70s and 80s and even 90s in our congregation and thought, who are some of those seasoned adults, as Pastor Dick, Dick Thompson, who oversees our, our seasoned adults ministry or senior saints ministry, he calls them seasoned adults, um, who are some of those folks we could have pray? And so we determined that in each of these components that we're talking about today in the Lord's Prayer, we'd have a senior adult of the Calvary body who's been walking with Jesus for decades, even before 9-11 and since 9-11, just lead us in prayer. And one of those that I've had the opportunity to pray with a couple of times and I just love how he starts out in worship to God is Ken Moore. And so it's a lot easier for them if we had them on video. So Ken's going to pray over us, leading us in adoration and praise of our God, just as Jesus said that uh, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let's let Ken pray over us in praise and adoration. Holy Father, I come to you this morning to worship and adore you. The scriptures tell us that you are God. There is none other. And you will not yield your glory to another. What is man that thou art mindful of him that we should have the privilege of praying to the holy God, the one true God who spoke the world into being? Whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire beside you? Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be over all the earth. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And he shall reign forever and ever and ever. We just praise you for all your goodness, your grace, your love, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.
Amen. We begin with worship. We align our hearts to who he is. And then Jesus moves to that next phrase, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In this phrase, it's all about asking him to accomplish his will and spread his kingdom through us. See, God is working his eternal plans. He's using the good, bad, and the ugly of our lives, of this world. He's taking the collective 9-11s that we experienced together like we did 20 years ago, and he's taking the private 9-11s we go through alone or with our family or a collective group of friends, and, and we're experiencing, and he's weaving something that is far grander than we can ever imagine in his eternal purposes and his plan. And we pray not only to the God who is our creator and savior, but to the God who is working that plan. And so we want to align our hearts to his purpose, not just our ideas or what we think would be best. We want to trust him. And so we're asking that his will would be accomplished and that his kingdom would spread. His kingdom is distinct from the kingdom of this world and it speaks of his values and, and it speaks of his priorities lived out in and through his children. You know, 9-11, there were a lot of great heroes. Uh, folks on flight 93, there were heroes at the Pentagon. There were first responders as people are coming down the towers. You remember the stories of uh, firemen and women and police officers and first responders going up the tower, tower steps while others are coming down. And one particular uh, group of firemen from their station had a chaplain with them that day, Father uh, Michael Judge. And um, he was the chaplain of this group and he went in with them and he was praying with them and praying over them and praying with others as they were going up the steps. They were trying to rescue people. And then when the buildings collapsed, the first recorded death, now others may have died first, but the first known and identified death in all of the 9-11 deaths was Father Michael Judge because his own group of firemen carried him out. And it's one of the iconic images of that day where Father Judge is being carried out by four firemen. His lifeless body is being carried. An artist put that incident together, took that snapshot and made a sculpture of that moment when Father Judge's body was taken out by those he knew. And there are two copies of that. One there at that firehouse and one in the parish where he served. And then you remember about 9-11 that there were a lot of people missing and so photos went up on those walls around Ground Zero and people brought teddy bears and notes and reflections of those lives and a fireman took a prayer that Father Judge prayed every day of his own life and encouraged others to pray and the fireman took duct tape and just taped it to that Ground Zero memory wall. It was a prayer that Father Judge prayed regularly. It was a prayer of purpose and wanting God to work through him. And I, I love this prayer as we think about Jesus' pattern for prayer and wanting God's will to be done, his kingdom to come as on earth as it is in heaven. And this is the prayer. Lord, take me where you want me to go. Let me meet who you want me to meet. Tell me what you want me to say and then keep me out of your way. Father Judge went where he believed God wanted him to be that day, met people and prayed with people in their final moments. 
One of the hardest things for us is then to say, get me out of the way so you can work your purpose through me. But that needs to be a focus of our prayer. And I'll tell you in a little bit toward the end of the message, we get to the next steps where you can find that prayer on our website. If you want to use that in your own life to help you focus on praying and praying purpose. So as we were thinking about, okay, who could pray about making much of Jesus? Who could pray about God's kingdom spreading through his people, his church? We thought of founding pastor, Calvary's founding pastor, Larry DeWitt. So we asked Larry to pray about this. And let's allow Pastor Larry uh, to pray over us regarding God's purpose, his kingdom, and his will. Dear Lord Jesus, we are citizens of your kingdom, not someday, but here and now. You are the ultimate authority in our lives. You prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane before your crucifixion, facing your suffering and death. Your will be done, God. So today we pray that too. Can I ask you all to just pray personally, out loud, right now? I confess to you, Lord. I confess to you, Lord. I'm strong-willed. I naturally want it my own way. I live in two worlds, but I'm inclined to live more for the desires here than for your ultimate purpose. So, Lord, today, humbly, I pray to you, help me to focus more on your will than on mine. Think more about your purposes for my life than my dreams for my life. Seek your glory more than my own. May the light of your kingdom shine through the darkness in this light world through my life, your temple. Remind me every day that I'm not my own. I was bought with a price. Your precious blood, Lord Jesus. Refocus my mind, my heart, on the ultimate reality. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord in Christ. He will reign forever and ever. Revelation 11.8 To you be the glory today, tomorrow, and every day, and throughout eternity, on this planet Earth and in heaven forever. Amen. Amen. You notice the pattern Jesus gave us? It starts with worship, who God is. Then it speaks of God's purpose and asking that his will be done. This is the alignment of our wants to his will, our will to his will. Then he says, once you have that alignment, you've got that straight, now you ask for provision. So that then it says so clearly in the text, give us today our daily bread. That's very basic. That's the very basic physical needs, right? Not what we need for tomorrow or what we need for three weeks from now, but provide for us today. And I think as we make our requests to God and our requests for others and their needs and we express our needs to God, it's not just about physical needs, it's about financial needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs that God would provide us for us psychologically, mentally, that we'd be healthy and well. And we turn to God as the source and provider of all that we need in our lives. This is trusting him to meet our needs today. Trusting him to meet our needs today. One of my favorite verses in all scriptures found in Philippians 4, uh, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. That's much easier to read than to live, right? Do not be anxious. Don't get worried. Don't get all upset over anything. But in every situation, not just some situations, big ones, little ones, medium-sized ones, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, with a grateful heart, already anticipating you'll be grateful for how God answers according to who he is and according to his will. Present your request to God. Ask God to provide. Ask God to meet needs. And what's the result of that? 
When you pray like that, then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it doesn't make sense to other human beings who aren't going to God. This peace of God that doesn't make sense humanly will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you're anxious, you're worried, you're dealing with a 9-11 situation in your own life, you go to God, you go to God, you look for him to provide. Some of you have met Barney Leone. He's a World War II veteran, he's a part of our Calvary family. He served for decades as a pastor in Ohio before he and his wife then came to California and retired here. And uh, Barney uh, knows how to pray for the basic provisions of life. And at 96 years of age, uh, we thought it would be great to include him as a, a saint to the Lord and to ask him to pray over us that God would provide and meet our needs. Let's allow Barney to pray over us. Heavenly Father, I am so privileged to be in your grace this very day. At my age, 96, soon to be 97. And I thank you for the Lord for all the years that you have provided my needs. I pray, give us this day our daily bread, and thou hast been faithful by doing just that. I thank you for the time that I've been time and service during conflict, how you watched over me through danger, and you kept your eyes on me, you kept your hand on me, and I kept my faith upon you, and you brought me back home safe. And now that I am home, I pray, Lord, that I can still be an influence for those that come, need to come to know you as Lord and Savior through my testimony. And I pray for those that need provision, Lord, that respond to take care of us in our nation. Pray for our leaders of the country, and leaders in our church, Lord. And I pray for all those that worship you in this time of pandemic. You've been faithful all these years for me, Lord, and I know you promised that you will take care of all our needs if we come to you in faith to give us our daily bread, which you have provided each day for me to this very day. And I'm grateful and I thank you, Lord. And I praise your holy name. Amen. So as we worship God and then we align our hearts to his purpose, saying your will be done, not mine, your will be done here on earth. Spread your kingdom through me. And then we go to God asking for him to meet our basic needs. We pray for his provision. Then the next part of the prayer speaks of forgiveness. Forgiveness. And forgive us our debts, the way we have sinned against you, the things, as, as uh, Luke 11 says, our trespasses, where we've crossed the line of your holiness and we've wronged you. And as we have also forgiven our debtors, those who have wronged us, who've trespassed and crossed the line with us, Forgive us. This is us embracing him as the source of our grace and the grace we share with others. If you've been with us, this is the sixth message of these 12 weeks that we're spending on uh, the spiritual disciplines, the spiritual practices of the Christian life. You've noticed that the word grace has been somewhere in every one of the messages because we can't walk with God without his grace. It's his grace that saves us and it's his grace that empowers us. The holy God of the universe forgives us through his son Jesus. And then he expects us then to be extending that forgiveness to others. If the holy, righteous God of the universe will forgive me, who am I to withhold his grace and forgiveness of others? We need to be extending that grace to other people. This next prayer 
comes from Diana Hyam, and um, she prays about forgiveness, and she's known some difficulties of her past where she's been wronged by others, and there's a sweetness as Diana prays. Allow her to pray over us in this area. Father God, the gift of forgiveness is so easy to accept from you. We, your children, so often forget this precious gift of forgiveness given to us through your death on the cross. We walk through life trying to make much of Jesus, yet we continue to stumble, hold on to the past wounds, struggles, hardships, and the disappointments of life, carrying the burden of an unforgiving heart. Teach us to forgive others like you have forgiven us. Lift the burden of unforgiveness and teach us, Father, that to forgive others is to live and love like Jesus. Teach us to release our rights and to obey your word. Lift the bitterness and resentment we carry towards others. Let us love as you love us. As we pray in your precious name, amen. Amen. The fifth and final component of the, this pattern of prayer that Jesus gives us is holiness. We, re, we read in verse 13 of Matthew 6, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The first part of this literally reads, don't allow us to fall into temptation. Protect us, keep us, put, as the Old Testament says, a hedge around us. And deliver us from the temptations of Satan. Guard us, guard our hearts. Help us walk in holiness. This is reflecting him in how we live our lives. Lord, we want to reflect you. We want people to see your love and your life coming through us. We want to walk in integrity. We want to walk in character. We want people to see the light of Christ shining from us. If you know Alvalee Batten, she's a great representative of this, of this. We asked her to just pray that God would help us to live in love like Jesus, to walk in holiness, to avoid temptation, getting tripped up by sin. And so Alvalee now prays over us regarding our holiness and our walk with God. Father God, I come before you to pray for our children, grandchildren, friends in your church, that we may truly live and love like Jesus. I pray that you will give us strength to overcome and not be distracted by the temptation the enemy places in our lives. I pray that each of us confess our sin daily and pursue the holiness of Christ's likeness. Help us to understand our weaknesses even as we seek to be the light and salt in our broken world. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of coming before your throne of grace with our prayers, knowing you hear us. I pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to say thank you to Ken and to Pastor Larry, to Marnie, to Diana, and to Ovali. And we asked a few others who weren't able to, uh, at this time, uh, participate just because of some of the health challenges they faced. And we thought by video that would help some of them be able to be with us in each of these services. And you know what's wonderful about this church is we thought of dozens and dozens of other names of those who have walked with Jesus for decades that we could have called on. And so I know there are hundreds of you who've walked with Jesus for decades, who have a sweet 
a walk with God in prayer, and we could have called on a lot of you. Uh, thank you for being prayer warriors here at Calvary. We value you, those of you who are up in years, and your faithfulness to God, and you have blessed us even through these five voices today praying for us. You know, some of you may look at this and say, there was a time when my prayer life was, it was just more engaged and active and it's kind of slipped. Or some of you say, you know what, I've tried several times to develop some sort of consistent prayer life on a daily basis and, and it's been a struggle. Let me encourage you to take some next steps that would help you uh, cultivate that life of prayer. Let me give you just a few next steps that will be of help to you. And let me say this before I give these steps. Some people will say, you know, prayer, it's, it's such a tough task and it's challenging. Remember, it's communicating with God about our lives, the lives of others, and how that all fits into his will. I had uh, a young mom uh, communicate with me by email a couple weeks ago after service, and she said that her four-year-old decided she wanted to come in big church and got, go to her own church that she usually goes to, wanted to sit in with big church, and said while we were singing, she raised her hands, and, and she kind of danced and enjoyed the music, and, and uh, we had communion that day. It was a week we talked about confession, and they moved through that as a family, explained that to her, what that was about, and she said, then uh, we, you started your message, and our four-year-old just was just engrossed in every word you were saying, which is what I love to hear, you know, a four-year-old just ready there to listen to the Word of God. She said, and you, you were teaching and she was listening, and then you got to the part where you talk about the gospel and you talk about Jesus. They could take the name of Jesus and text it. And she said, when you said text Jesus to this number, she said, my four-year-old looked at me and just simply said, what? Wow, you can text Jesus? <laughs> How sweet is that? Sometimes we think, you know, email would be better, Lord. Texting would be better. If you would appear to me in my mirror and just talk to me every morning, we could have this. But God gives us this great access, which was not true in the Old Testament. Before the crucifixion of Jesus, they had to go through priests and they had to go through sacrifices and had to be in Jerusalem to really access God at the temple or in the tabernacle. And when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was ripped between the presence of God's people and his intimate express presence. And the writer of the Hebrews says, now we go freely and boldly into the throne room of heaven, the throne of grace, and make our requests. So let me give you some next steps in this wonderful way to communicate with God. Number one, uh, use the ACTS acronym as a simple pattern of prayer each day this week. Some of you know this, and if you've not heard it, if you don't remember the five that I gave, you can just spell the word ACTS. A-C-T-S. A is for adoration, C is for confession, T is for thanksgiving, and S is for supplication or make your requests. And I created a one-page PDF that'll be available, it's available on our website, and I'll give you that reference in just a moment, but it helps you move through Acts with some verses and helps you pray with that acronym. That's a great tool to use in your own personal prayer life. You can take the outline I've given you of these five components and let God uh, use that as a flow of prayer for you as well. The Lord's Prayer is a great way. As a matter of fact, you can pray the Lord's Prayer back to God. Pray through the Lord's Prayer for Matthew 6, 9 to 13, Luke 11, 2 through 4. These two different references, you can, you can pray that and pause at each moment and just stop and worship God. Stop and align your heart to his purpose and his will. Uh, go to that place of provision, receiving every good and perfect gift from him. And then uh, uh, allow yourself to experience his forgiveness and grace and pray about extending it to others and then to be, ask him to help you to walk in holiness. Thirdly, pray for two or three Christian friends in need. Think of two or three Christian friends you have in need 
Just pray for what's going on in their finances, their health, their marriage, some situation. Then let them know. Say, I'm praying for you daily. Just take those next steps. And you can find these resources at calvarywestlake.org slash walk. Each week we're building that page to include the next discipline. The resources from the previous weeks are still there, the next steps. You'll also find there in today's resources at calvarywestlake.org slash walk, you'll find Father Michael Judge's prayer, that purposeful prayer that he set out each day for his own life. Prayer is so vital and so important for us as the followers of Jesus Christ. One of the incredible stories that many of you have heard from 9-11 is what took place on Flight 93. Terrorists had taken over the cockpit. There were 40 crew members and, and passengers on that flight, 33 passengers, seven crew members. When the plane was taken over by the terrorists, one man, a follower of Jesus Christ, named Todd Beamer, who was on that flight, a graduate of the Christian College, Wheaton College, met his wife there, loved the Lord, walked with the Lord. He was on that flight, and he was able to get to a phone back where the flight attendants are in the back of the plane. He got on this phone and was able to get free to get there. And there's a conversation that's recorded between Todd Beamer and Lisa Jefferson, who answered the phone at United Airlines. And I want to read to you that transcript of what took place as they had that conversation. Todd Beamer said, hello, operator, listen to me. I can't speak very loud. This is an emergency. I'm a passenger on a United flight to San Francisco. We have a situation here. Our plane has been hijacked. Can you understand me? Lisa Jefferson responded, exhaling a deep breath to herself. I understand. Can the hijackers see you talking on the phone? No, they can't. Can you tell me how many hijackers are on the plane? He went on to explain how many hijackers were on the plane and what he knew about the situation and that they had been using box cutter knives and one claimed to have a bomb. Lisa Jefferson from United said, okay, sir, please give me your name. My name is Todd Beamer. Okay, Todd, my name is Lisa. Do you know your flight number? It's United Flight 93, Beamer responded. Now, Todd, can you try to tell me exactly what happened? Then he went through some details of how they'd gotten into the cockpit and how the passengers had been separated. And then uh, she, she says to him, Todd, are you okay? Tell me what's happening right now. Todd, hello, we're, we're going down. I, I think we're gonna crash. Wait, wait a minute. No, we're leveling off. We're okay. I think we may be turning around. That's it. We changed directions. Do you hear me? We're, we're flying east again. Lisa responded, okay, Todd, what's going on with the other passengers? Everyone is really scared. A few passengers with cell phones have made calls to relatives. A guy named Jeremy was talking to his wife just before the hijacking started. She told him that hijackers had crashed two planes in the World Trade Center. Lisa, is that true? Todd, I have to tell you the truth. It's very bad. The World Trade Center is gone. Both of the towers have been destroyed. Beamer simply said, oh God, oh God, help us. Lisa said, a third plane was taken over by terrorists. It crashed into the Pentagon in Washington, D.C. Our country is under attack. And I'm afraid, Todd, that your plane may be a part of their plan. Todd responded, oh dear God, dear God. Lisa, will you do something for me? I'll try. If I can, yes. I want you to call my wife and my kids for me and tell them what's happened. Promise me you'll call. Promise me you'll call. 
I promise I'll call. Then Beamer gives his home number. And he continues, you have the same name as my wife, Lisa. We've been married for 10 years. She's pregnant with our third child. Tell her that I love her. Choking up, Beamer continued, I'll always love her. Clearing his throat, we have two boys. David, he's three. And Andrew, he's one. Tell them, Beamer paused, choking up. Tell them that their daddy loves them and that he is proud of them. Clearing his throat again, he said, our baby is due January 12th. I saw an ultrasound. It was great, Lisa. We still don't know if it's a girl or a boy. Lisa? Barely able to speak. I'll tell them. I promise, Todd, Lisa responded. I'm going back to the group. If I can get back, I will. Todd, leave this line open. Don't hang up the phone. Beamer leaves. And for a few moments, he's gone from the phone. And while he's gone, Lisa Jefferson reaches out to the FBI and gets an FBI agent on the phone. Beamer comes back with the FBI agent now on the phone and also coaching Beamer. As he comes back, Todd, breathing much heavier, says, the plane seems to be changing directions just a little. It's getting pretty rough up here. The plane is flying real erratic. We're not going to make it out of here. Listen to me. I want you to hear this. I have talked with the others. We've decided we would not be pawns in these hijackers' suicidal plot. Lisa responded, Todd, what are you going to do? We've hatched a plan. Four of us are going to rush the hijacker with the bomb. After we take him out, we'll break into the cockpit. A, a stewardess is getting some boiling water to throw on the hijackers at the controls. We'll get them, and we'll take them out. Lisa, will you do me one last thing? Will you do one last thing for me? Yes. What is it, Todd? Would you pray with me? Without any other coaching or any other reference, Todd Beamer just started into the Lord's Prayer. And Lisa Jefferson joined him word for word as they prayed the Lord's Prayer together on the phone. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive our trespassers. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Without saying anything else, Todd Beamer moved right into Psalm 23. And without missing a beat, Lisa Jefferson joined him in citing Psalm 23. They said together on that phone, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Todd, with a softer voice, said, God help me. Jesus help me. Then he cleared his throat and he shouted, Are you guys ready? Let's roll. And moments later, those brave heroes of Flight 93 brought that plane down into that field outside of Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Prayer was a powerful part of the experiences of those who knew the Lord on 9-11. Prayer is a powerful part of our lives when we go through our 9-11 moments, when our world stops turning. Prayer is an important part of our lives and we need to cultivate 
that discipline of prayer, that practice of prayer. So our, our conversation with God is a continuous conversation that can just start at any moment, even in a situation like Todd Beamer faced. Todd and Lisa Beamer's two older boys have now graduated from Wheaton College, where they met and they had graduated. Their daughter is now a student at Wheaton College. And Lisa Beamer spoke in the college chapel this past Friday for the 20th anniversary of 9-11. You'll want to find that online and hear her tell the story of what God has done in their lives since then. God gives us the opportunity to talk to him about our lives and the lives of others. And he wants us to do that in such a way that we understand how it fits into his will. And we rest in what he is doing and we trust in him as our great God. Prayer is a precious gift God has given us. Let's stretch our muscles. Let's pray. So whether we're in our own personal 9-11 moments, we find ourselves in some extreme moment, we can be going to God in prayer, not only helping ourselves, but helping others. Would you pray with me? Father, there are some tremendous heroes from that day. Some still walk around with the psychological and mental wounds. Some have great loss. And I know there are people, Father, who still suffer from things they breathed or were exposed to in the cleanup. We pray your blessing on all those individuals. Father, there are people in this room who are going through their own private 9-11. Their world has stopped turning because of something else. And we ask that you'd give them the courage, the strength, the boldness just to cry out to you in prayer. Help us to be people of prayer. Thank you that in this battle of life, the tool you give us is is prayer, and we get on our knees to fight this battle. And we allow you to be God. A lot about prayer is letting you be God and recognizing that we are not. That's not easy for us. But we know that's where great peace comes from. Help us to learn to talk to you more, to follow the pattern Jesus gave us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.